chance to say slips away That's the opening of Phoning Home From Away, the first track on a new album by Nigel Planer and Neil Avery, entitled Commit No Nuisance. Nigel and Neil are my guests on this episode of Fistful of Chords. Nigel needs little introduction, a star of iconic comedies The Young Ones, The Comic Strip and Filthy Rich and Catflap, as well as actor, novelist, playwright and musician. Neil has been playing guitar and writing music for three decades and last year released an EP called Mummy, Look What I Just Trod In, a title that seems to sum up much of the last year for all of us. Despite their shared interest in both thoughtful and mindless comedy, the album touches on a wide variety of topics. Okay, so I have Neil and Nigel here. Um, I'm going to ask you a question first, Neil, because we know Nigel. Tell me a bit about yourself, Neil, your career in inside and outside the music business. Uh, so um, professionally, um, I'm a um, financial advisor and, um, um, you know, that's that's kind of what I do on a day to day basis. And, uh, you know, worked uh, very closely with the creative industries. Um, over the years, but um, you know, my 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 main passion has always been music. Um, you know, kind of right from a kid, and and um, we just talking earlier about uh, you know, kind of vinyl and and sort of buying all of that, and kind of looking at the sleeves and seeing who played on track three and uh, who was guest harmonica, and and you know, so I used to kind of look through all of that, and. Um, yeah, just um, you know, I grew up in the '80s musically, or late '70s, and then coming into the '80s. And uh, I suppose you know, all of our our um, we always look back and say our decade was the best, you know. But uh, you know, for me, the '80s was was just a fantastic explosion of different kind of musical movements. And um, uh, I got sort of uh, very much into the sort of indie scene at that time. Um, you know, particularly the Smiths and and Billy Bragg and such like, and um, those who are slightly, I suppose, left of centre. So, um, you know, I'm, uh, I can clear a dance floor um, without uh, without a doubt. But, um, no, it's just something. And I, I learned to play the guitar and, and um, just kind of, you know, been with me ever since. And how did you two meet? Uh, we, we met through a, a mutual friend of ours um, socially um, a few years ago. And... Um, I uh, just got talking and, and um, yeah, I think maybe a few weeks later kind of just came out bizarrely that, that Nigel said that he writes lyrics and I said well I, I write music and I, I you know quite often struggle with lyrics um, and um, you know sent him some stuff and um, he liked you know kind of my my sound I guess and um, you know felt that you know it would uh, it would go with what he was writing about I do and ask him and Nigel, yeah, why did you why did you choose to work with Neil? Well, initially, um, as Neil says, I, I, I have I've always uh, written lyrics for songs, and 
sometimes they go into projects like Bad News. I was writing with Adrian Edmondson all the you know the lyrics and things, and and I used to write songs. I've got a a project out on Bandcamp at the moment of the songs I wrote when I was eighteen, uh, which we've recorded. It's called um, Five Songs Left after the Nick Drake five leaves left album and it's very much of i mean my era i'm i'm older than neil my era was the 70s obviously so i'm i'm reminiscent of that kind of folk jazz era um in the 70s so but a lot of the uh, song lyrics i've written didn't find a home particularly and you just keep writing them so i had a big bottom drawer by the time i met neil and um there's there was um what I particularly like doing is writing to order I discover because I write plays now and i and I've written for a musical uh a, a, a theater show and what I found particularly exciting is also as well as having a bottom drawer is writing trying to uh like an actor does, trying to find out the the musical identity of the person and write specifically for them and how they feel because it's a it it's not like me expressing myself it's I express myself through being a character through being in somebody else's shoes and so Neil was a great opportunity eighties music I did know obviously pretty well. That was eighties was my sort of era, not teenage era was my takeoff era, and then the the big uh, sort of hook to do this project really to 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 take this project seriously was the talk it out song, which yeah. which um, uh, we got involved with with uh, mental health charities, and the idea of doing a song that would be uh, uh, to try and get um, people to talk. I mean, what the song says, really, it's quite simple. Let's talk it out. Um, you've got a problem, keep, keep talking it out, uh, which is the sort of principle of uh, psychotherapy, really. See if we can talk this through. Um, you know, no, no miracle one day cures. Let's keep talking. That's what I say. song was the the sort of trigger to to get out the bottom drawer <laughs> of lyrics but also to you know to to sort of take it seriously i think the first one we did though it was a song called phoning home from away That's right. which was a poem i mean i'd just written it down on a bit of paper and uh you know meeting nearly said oh i did i thought that would that would suit his sound you know you just he sent me some you know jangly guitar sounds and you, you know you can picture it then and and so I started sending him that and then the talk it out came and that obviously seemed like oh no this is a project worth doing now there's a there's a sort of identity for it with this 
um, with the uh, with the mental health charity, and we put that one out um, first. I'm right. Correct me when I get things wrong, Neil. Um, yeah, but we did. We right. put that one out. You know, we put that one out first, and got uh, the choir involved, which is a, a again. Correct me when I'm wrong. It's an amateur choir, the Angels of Chaos, and they. Uh, They've got some. Co- to explain. You better explain that, Neil. I, yeah, I always get that wrong. The 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 connection they have with deaf people. What is that connection? Yeah, the the, the, um, the 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 it was initially the Chaos Choir. They're based in North London, and um, initially it was sort of formed from the the uh, uh, for children for deaf children. The choir in a way to express themselves. Again, mental health is is a big thing in 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 that that area too that we forget. Um, and um, uh, um, as I understand it, you know, the parents uh, then formed their own choir called the Angels of Chaos. And it's just um, some of them are still in it and some others are, uh, it's evolved, you know. And they, they uh, practice at Alexandra Palace and um, rehearse when they can do. And, um, you know, just a fantastic group of lovely, lovely people. Susie Davis. It's fun. You can see it in the, yeah. in the video when they're, you know, well, it, 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 it just feels like not a, an effort to, I don't know, if you had your professional choir in there, it wouldn't quite, the message wouldn't be the same, I don't think. It's gr- just no, great having them. an actual community good. choir yeah. saying, let's, come on, let's talk about this issue and all that. It's got, and, I, and I love that feel in that. And, and Neil, this, that song perhaps has a bit of your Smith's influence in it. In it. Yeah, I think. Um, well, you know, just that's one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> um, no, I, I just uh, you know Johnny Marr is a is a you know kind of a big hero and uh, just I just loved. Um, yeah, I I remember going around to my mate's house um, and he put on Hatful of Hollow, um, the first Smiths, uh, well, second Smiths album, but John Peel session and and Radio One sessions and. Um, uh, it just—it was one of those musical moments. It was just one of those, you know. You put it on, and I just thought, "Wow," you know, kind of. It just sung to me. I, I, maybe it was Morrissey's vocal delivery, which was totally unlike anything else um, since or, um, or or gone, you know. And 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 the guitars, you know, were kind of the way that he played. The style again wasn't just strumming or, or some heavy guitar lick you know it was it was layered it was textured I could hear kind of different things different you know kind of and um yeah no that that really really struck a chord and it's um you know I, I wouldn't put myself anywhere near his his uh, talent but it's something that I you know kind of have been influenced by and um you know my stuff is very very much in a similar vein you know so I'll put um you know five six seven you know guitar tracks down um, uh, with different guitars or different, slightly different sounds to, to try and blend them, um, and um, you know, picking arpeggio style again in in, uh, uh, in in that style, you know, kind of not not a kind of I, I would say not a standard thing. I think it's sort of. Um, and you thought much. all I need now is a really miserable lyricist, <laughs> and I and I can come and I can reach those standards. <laughs> You know who can I find? Heaven knows I'm miserable now. So, um, uh, talking so of which. yes, so, talking so I, of which, um, uh, I mean, the, and then we of, met up. 
Yeah, well, Nigel's stuff was interesting because it, it um, he writes about subjects that I wouldn't normally write about. Yeah. You know, and I think that's been the, uh, the, the really interesting thing for me. And I, I, and I think um, it's also about, you know, kind of this style of writing songs. You know, I would normally have a melody in mind. I might have a, a, a lyrical hook and then I'd build a song around that. So I might have a title and then I'd work around that and put the lyrics into my guitar playing, whereas this is totally different. And and initially when, when Nigel sent sort of phoning home from away, you know, which is the first time I'd ever had um, just a few words on a sheet, and he's saying put a tune to that, it's quite a lot of pressure, you know, in, in that to come up with something sort of that's half decent. And, you know, more importantly, he thinks it's half decent um but it it, it it's a it's a very it's weird you know it's a very different way of writing in the sort of elton and bernie type thing i, I think nigel and neil might uh, might take a while to get to their levels but um, <laughs> mm, mm. um but i think it's it's a really interesting way and you you come up with melodies you know that, that again you wouldn't do maybe just by picking up the guitar so creatively it's very very interesting but also, Nigel, um, you know, writes about, as I say, subjects that I wouldn't normally think about, you know. Genius, I was thinking about that. Yeah. yeah. Tell me about genius, Nigel. Um, yeah, well, where does that come from? I mean, it's just... Tell us a bit about what, it, what yeah. it's about. I mean, it's an interesting... Oh, story. I see. Just say, explain what yeah. it's about. It's about a, a, a stalker, could be male or female. Uh, it's what's going on in the mind of the of the stalker. So it's uh, you know uh, if you could if you could see you through my eyes, you'd understand how w- w- what I see. I've seen you on TV. Oh, you're genius! You know, you reached right out the screen at me, and and touched me. So I know what you're like because I've made love to you in my sleep. I know everything about you. I know what you're like, you know, and and at the beginning it sounds, the idea being it sounds like a song where you think, oh, this is how nice, how nice this is, you know, you're such a good talker, you're genius, Um, it's like I'm your stalker, it's actually not like I'm your stalker, I actually, I kind of, I am your stalker and there's quite a threat in the song, there's a nasty undertaste in the song, But but the idea was to put it with all that nice tuneful music with the jangly guitars and have it sound I love that songs where you think oh a, a love song you think hang on what what's that what are they singing that what, what exactly. what's this song actually about who's singing this song you know it's I, I, I love stuff like that It's funny, I was just thinking about when you were talking about how you know you write the lyrics and then they go to Neil, and I was thinking very much of Chris Difford and Glenn Tilbrook, which is a similar, it's exactly the same uh, setup, 
and it's the same thing with Squeeze, where they will have songs that are very dark lyrically, but very yeah. uplifting musically, and they go, and that dichotomy I think works really well, and I think that works in Genius as well. Yes, I love. Oh well, thanks. Yeah, I mean, I, I that's a very good uh, analogy. I think that yeah, I like that. And there was a, there was a song. Uh, slightly different musically, but there was a, an artist, I think he was from Liverpool, called Black. Do you remember him? Yeah. Oh, and yes, he yes, had a, yes, I remember a, him. A, he had sort of, yeah, and he had a lovely song. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful life. Da, da, to, no need to run and hide. No need to run and hide. That, that, and you're thinking, hang on, what? The music is t- it's kind of the opposite thing, because the, the, the lyrics are saying, isn't everything bright and the spring's out and the music's going no way <laughs> the music's going this is there's something very sad about this it's mourning it's mournful and i i love those juxtapositions you know yeah well, without laboring the point i mean the, the classic one i'm thinking as well it's the scott walker song about go, about going off to war i can't remember what it's called where the, the guy basically goes off to war and gets killed and he's a hero and it's this beautiful song but actually it's about saying why did you go? You've, you're an idiot. Yeah. You lost your life. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. You, I think that's something where the where the the music and the the lyrics, if they can not fight each other, but you, that you can do something you can't do in other medium. Yes. Like yeah. I think that. also for me, you know, kind of um, uh, lyrics are really important. You know, it's it's no good having a nice tune and some really rubbish meaningless lyrics you know I have to I have to connect to a song I've always found that you know kind of my heroes have been sort of as I say people like Billy Bragg Elvis Costello Chris Difford um, you know kind of um, Smiths in terms of what they were writing about you know and and you know that spoke to me as a as a kid and kind of I grew up in Fleet in Hampshire and and uh, which was you know kind of uh, um Three hundred miles, I suppose, from the nearest pit. But I connected to Billy Bragg and kind of what he was writing about at the time and, and movements. And and, um, and what about what about shipbuilding? That's one of my favourite songs of all time. Yeah. But how come the Robert Wyatt version is the one? That Robert Wyatt. That we were just listening. My wife and I were just listening to it the other day. I can't think why. Mm. Um, and we went back and listened to both versions again. Okay. And the Robert White version, sorry, Mr. Costello, but the Robert White version is, is, is like 20 times better. I mean, it's a brilliant song, and Elvis Costello wrote it, so mm. all power. But there's something in that Robert White version that's like a ghost, isn't it? It's incredible. That version's incredible. very raw. I mean, I, I, for me, being a big Elvis Costello fan, it, um, I, sure, I, you know, sure. Uh, you know, it's personal opinion and, and and whatever, but you know, I think that um, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, that kind of stuff is. So you prefer really you prefer the Costello version, do you? I think I do. Yeah, having sort of heard right, it first that's it. And, that's you know, it. How do I press leave? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're having that's it, and that's the end. Of, we were we were doing so well. <laughs> we're having our first falling out. Here, aren't we? <laughs> You're going to split before the album comes out. Musical yeah. differences yeah. already. Yeah. 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 I mean, another talk about dark, sort of darker lyrics. What you don't know is, I, I might be wrong about this, but that seems to have kind of that's a sort of a dark lyric. Am I yeah, right Nigel. about that, Nigel? Oh, you cut up there. 
Oh, sorry. I didn't um, quite hear the okay. question. You went blah, 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 blah. I was saying, but we were talking about darker lyrics and uh, what you don't know to me is it's got a dark edge, um, unless I've totally misinterpreted it. Tell me, tell me a bit about that. Um, that's about all, it's, it's a combination of uh, guys I knew at school. There, there was one, one guy, there's always the guy who, when you're 15 or whatever, is the, is the, the guy, you know, the one who, who shows off to the girls, who can do the tricks, who can set off the firework, who's, who, who shows no fear. And, and what I noticed in my 20s then was that the, they were not necessarily the guys who then uh, uh, went on to great achievement I don't even mean achievement career-wise. I mean, as people, quite often they were the ones who ended up on on drugs or 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 sort of with mental problems or you know the the guys that I admired or sort of kind of your your hero guy when you were sixteen, when you're twenty six, you think, oh, I'm stronger than him actually. He, that was weakness he was showing, not strength. It's like that adjustment that you make as you grow up to what is strong and what what isn't strong. And so there's there's loads of loads of guys like that. Always the show off. Always the guy who's going to cause the trouble. Always the the one who all the other guys think, well, oh, he's it's great. You know, want to be with him because it's so you know he does the stuff. And there was. Two or three friends, you know, one one drowned uh, uh, um, and died. That's why the mention always the time of drowning. One um, became a junkie. One became just very boring. You know, he was the out of all of us. He was just oh, is that is that what you're going to do now? Just be boring, you know, be the dullest person ever, and. Um, yeah, that's that's what that song's about. Went to swim in the local pool. It was close, cause she died there two hours before. Always a show. You spoke earlier about how you had lyrics that have been in your drawer for a long time. Was the lyrics on this album a combination of that, or were they all like that? Were they all recent lyrics? The reason I ask is because uh, they they don't seem the kind of lyrics that are written by your sort of average sixty-eight-year-old musician um, who have been around. And I wonder whether it was because uh, sometimes you know somebody who's been making album after album after album after about. 40, what have they got left to say, actually? They've mined the original scene about 20 years ago and are just repeating themselves. It's quite a fresh perspective, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, I was joking when I said they were just all in the bottom drawer, but a song like that, for instance, has been germinating for a long time. So there's been a couple of the sentences. I had a few goes at it. And I've hung on and done rewriting until recently. So all the ones from the bottom drawer, yeah, they are from way back. The ideas are. But then 
obviously they've been written specifically then for Neil into the they they've been you know having the having the focus of of the way Neil was going to was going to play them um meant that I went back and did the 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 rewrites as it were the dra- the new drafts of all of these things that fit that fit the picture now whereas before they were maybe ideas that never came to fruit you know there was a reason they didn't ever come out before but they but they you know the ideas were there for most of them certainly for making a fool of myself uh genius uh the one we're talking about now and breathe in you breathe in you breathe out that's a young man fearing commitment so that was written a long time ago the the idea of that was you know that's about um what's going to happen if i actually say i love you and what what's going is all going to go wrong if i do, why should i do that why should i commit myself and all that and that's not a 68 year old man speaking you know that's a that's a much younger guy that the idea of that one it's interesting. It's um, definitely back. back um, Neil, then, yeah. Neil asked me the other day um, what my favourite song of, of, on the album was, and I said my favourite song was "Breathe." And he, he wasn't. He was surprised by that. Um, but you, nice think, tune. It is a very nice tune, though. And Neil, you said other people have, have said that to you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know because you know whether we've been working with you for for quite a while and and recording and mixing and remixing and. Um, uh, you know, I, I, you know that that. Um, um, I, I also think you know that song um, reminds me a, a bit of um, the way it's come out. It wasn't written like this, but um, Elvis Costello wrote a, an album with um, Burt Bacharach, and and um, it was a sort of one-off album, and the the style is, is similar to that. And I don't know whether you know, kind of that's how it's. I don't know where it's come from or whatever, and I wouldn't put myself in uh, in in the same breath of those two. But of course, but I think that um, it, it's quite different to stuff that I would normally write as well. And that's I think been the, the interesting thing to this project that it's not been kind of my stuff, which might be a bit more formulaic. I don't know, but um, um, you know, the diversity has been really good. And and um, I mean, lyrically from from Nigel, I often. Uh, you know, talk to him about you know what's this one about or or whatever. I, I write the song and then um, you know, and he uses long words like existential and stuff that I don't really understand, and uh, he'll explain it to me. But um, and that's that's been the nice thing. It's a lovely way of working. You know, kind of um, it's not solitary. It's collaborative. I think it's also you know can uh, it's been nice to to compromise as well on on stuff you know nigel will often say you know with the i'll send him a demo and and uh, he said oh i don't like that or um it's not what i was thinking not what i had in mind or could you put another chord in there or put another movement in there and you know it's nice to be able to do that as opposed to kind of just do what you want and uh, it's nice to be able to listen to somebody else and work collaboratively um and we i think we've i've learned to to kind of do that as well you know it's been um it's been great kind of working on this in in that way um yeah and neil um tell me about the recording process was it did you have other people in with you um yeah so so um it's this is my my studio this is um pink deer hq um and um 
um, so Nigel would so I'd, I'd, I'd write the songs um, and um, uh, my producer and long time sort of co-collaborator um, on the technical side is a guy called Paul Rickard um, who's a fabulous musician and a great friend brilliant bass player so he he plays bass for me and then uh, we'll, we'll produce everything and, and engineer so we'll look at different guitar sounds and kind of how to layer things so um um, and we've had a couple of people in, um, a guy called Ashley Hodgson who played piano on Breathe and a friend of mine who was a, uh, a, a sister of a friend of mine from school, Laura Taylor, who, who um, got a lovely voice. She, she sang backing vocals and will hopefully do a bit more for us as well going forward. But I think, um, so that's kind of how it works. And then Nigel would, um, um, so once I've got the main track, um, you know, he'll come round and, and do some backing and harmony vocals. And I think really kind of, um, you know, bring his own ideas to, to that as well. Um, in fact, the, you know, the, the beginning of Breathe um, um, starts with um, Why Should I Phone, uh, which is Nigel's lyric. And, and that came out absolutely by mistake. You know, we, we found it. Um, I pressed, I, I made a mistake, I think, on the mixing and I... I press play and this this we could just hear something in the background and it was it was um Why I think he phone? Yeah, yeah it must have I think he <clears> must have <throat> been done uh, singing that while we weren't listening we didn't tell yeah. you to sing it trying to get and, it in I was you know yeah. trying to get it in so much and it wouldn't listen yeah they but I still listen. I put it yeah <laughs> I stuck it in the mix and it was uh, nobody could hear it and then it just came out one day and uh, at the beginning of the song we went wow that you know that sounds brilliant, you know. So, so Nigel will bring his own ideas in terms of backing vocals Doing and the harmony. Backup, and... Uh, vocal, yeah. I, I've done a lot of a lot of that. I used to yeah. be in a sort of harmony uh, group and stuff. I'm, I'm I'm quite good on that, um, and I prefer it. It's nice having uh, Neil. So, you know, I like having another singer up. And just well, have the yeah. lyrics and keep myself in the background. I like that. I have asked you actually previously to do lead vocals, and you've you've always said, uh, "No, this is our sound. This is I quite like being the back guy, the lyrics, and the yeah. you know I don't want to yeah. be too involved in you know kind of the front man bit." And that that you know kind of it's just evolved like that. <laughs> Should I phone you? Why should I phone? Just to check what you're doing. Why should I phone you? Why should I phone? When after all you breathe in, you breathe out. You breathe in. You might never do it again. A lot of people don't or uh, forget, you know, kind of. Niger's background with the young ones, of which, of course, he's he's uh, he's known for, um, and uh, a national treasure uh, has grown out of out of that. But I I think that um, you know people forget that he's also done a lot of musical stuff, you yeah. know, and um, 
Um, I mean, it was uh, Grandpa Joe and, and Charlie in the Chocolate Factory on the stage. And, and um, yeah, I have to say, I, I saw it a couple of times. Absolutely brilliant. But it, the score of that was, was fantastic. And the backing vocals and harmony stuff on that, you know, um, he can tell you more. But, uh, mm, mm. I remember you as uh, as Dan Dennis, of course. Yeah. yeah. In bad yeah. news. Bad news. Yeah, I mean, we made was... two albums. We made. That's right. Uh, I mean, I always yeah. thought about bad news as well as which people always talk about Spinal Tap, which of course is amazing, but I don't think many people will remember that bad news actually came out before Spinal Tap. Um, Only just. Not yet, yeah, well, not but, yeah, but, it, it, yeah. but people couldn't say, "Oh, well, yes, it's a rip off of it." And, well, no, it came out for. Um, and it's and it's got a similar style. The difference is that we're a bunch of uh, no hopers fighting, and the, the the Spinal Tap are kind of stars, aren't they? You know, they they're touring the U.S. and they are, you know, they're 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 an act, that's a spoof of an of an actual showbiz story, whereas ours is a story of a bunch of painter and decorators who think they can play the guitar, you know what I mean? So it's more, there's, I, I, there's in a way, there's more heart in, in ours because it's about people, you know, it's about how, it's about failing. Yes. <laughs> well, the sec- maybe the second one is more, um, because it's your comeback, as it were. I, I, I was, I'd love to see it again. I've got, I've got the DVD up, up uh, in front of me. Um, the fact that you went and played it. Did you actually play at Donington? That must yeah. have been terrifying. Yeah, that was our first gig. <laughs> because that was well, our first actual know, gig in front of people. It's like tell Donington, yeah. the Donington Monsters of Rock Festival. It's like 80,000 greasers baying for blood. Yeah, and, and, throwing and, bottles of piss at you. Yeah, and Rick Mayer <laughs> hitting them back with his bass. And, and you think, oh my God, yeah. that's... Some, there's some balls to it go was, and do that. It was very. It was the scariest. I think that was the scariest gig I've ever done. Yeah, it's a great shot when, you know, there's been all the build up. We're all waiting, uh, you know, to go on stage, and there's backstage, and you've seen a load of the stars, you know, backstage, obviously doing spoof documentary, saying how shit we are and all of that and then the camera is is on a pan and we come up the stairs and the camera pans round and there's a, a chilling it still terrifies me today as the camera pans round you realize no there really are 80,000 people there and they're going to play and it still brings me out oh jesus and i presume yeah. not and they many, do throw bottles of, of piss at yet. you and um, probably a lot of them didn't like the fact that you were doing it I, I don't know what, what they... Th- I think they just thought, you know, they throw the bottle to piss if they like you. I mean, you know, they, I think they liked us, but they they weren't expecting... The, they liked the thing of saying, you're shit, you know, you're terrible. The, the presenter, what was he called, Tommy Vance? The guy yes. who introduces us, had to wear a full helmet and, and uh, visor because of all the stuff being thrown. <laughs> and Lemmy... <laughs> Thought we were who we knew quite well because he was in comic strip films and stuff. Lemmy th- said we were ma- absolutely mad 
because you'll get stuff thrown at you and, and you could be hurt. You know, this is, you don't know what's going to be thrown at you. He's, he's, he was, you know, despite his gung-ho appearances, <laughs> he would never do what we did without, you know, without the barriers and the things like that. Yeah, it, well, that was scary. And we then went on on tour, did universities uh, and a whole tour, ended up at Hammersmith. Uh, and then we played the marquee. Uh, Brian May recall, uh, produced that album, didn't he? The second album. Yeah, that's right. He produced both of the albums. Fantastic. Yeah, we were in um, we were in Psalm for um, six weeks or something. I mean, uh, it was we we were kind of li- we stayed in character. He left the microphones on. And the second album is just us arguing in character. <laughs> um, so Neil, did you did you watch yeah, the bad news it. films at the time? Yeah, yeah, and comic strip, and um, you know, kind of uh, obviously, yeah, uh, yeah, young ones as well. I mean, just to talk about Lemmy, but I think uh, I think Motorhead were on uh, the young ones. They always oh, that's had a band right, yeah, and uh, madness and stuff. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a it's a we always describe it, I think, as a, as a sort of unusual combination, um, you know, of, uh, uh, working together. But somehow it works, you know, and it's, um, um, you know, it's a nice blend of influences and backgrounds and, and uh, you know, creatively. Yeah, and I mean, the, the, musically, if I was, as, as, musically, I said my era is the, is the 70s, because that's when, when I was that young. I was playing the guitar then and writing those songs in the 70s. But obviously the era of of the biggest excitement for me is the 80s. And I, I met and knew all the, all the people that you're talking about. I didn't know Elvis and I didn't know uh, Morrissey. But, but, you know, we, when we went on the tube uh, on the telly as bad news, you know, I, I became friends with Hugh Cornwell and... Yes. You know, it, I'm not name dropping away. I'm just saying the. Well, I am actually, aren't I? It's, it's shameless. Um, but, you should. But yeah, the, you should. Um, you should never name drop because um, Harry Enfield told me that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I, I'm actually uh, Hugh Cornwell. I've known for about twenty years because we wrote a book together about oh, the Stranglers. Yeah, we did a book called Strangler Song by Song. And, uh, and I know you made a you made a record with him in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. Rough with the smooth. Rough with the smooth. Um, basically, I listened to it again last year because, of course, we've all been in lockdown. I've had nothing to do but look through all my <laughs> my old my old work. Um, and it's basically me doing a an impression of Hugh, isn't it? The singing. It's just I'm. I'm just trying to sound like Hugh in it, really. He might as well have sung it, really. But, uh, have you heard it that was song, a... Neil? It's a good I song. I haven't, no, no. Yeah, no. You, can, you can see it on YouTube. Okay. We can yeah, see it's not bad, YouTube. is it? Rough well, with a... the smooth, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. there's always some, you know, kind of... Um, uh, always sort of nice things that sort of come out about Nige that, um, you know, I'm, I'm not expecting... I, and. Um, you know, I was I was reading a um, I, I read a lot of music books and um, and stuff, and there was um, uh, I came across something a few months ago. I was reading a um, a really interesting book on Live Aid, and oh, yeah, uh, yeah. how that project came about, 
and um, you know really sort of interesting facts I've probably forgotten all of them now but or most of them but um, you know one of them I, I never knew that Nigel um, was at the recording of um, uh, do they know it's Christmas you know that 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 kind of seminal moment in pop history and um, he, he was he was there I don't know uh, we, we, did you did you sing uh, on it night or was you no I didn't because I I I got invited by Sir Lord Bob and so I turned up it was while we were at the height of obviously young ones and everything and he said no we want you know come as as Neil because I said nobody know who I am if I'm not I've got the wig and the costume so I came as Neil and it as it became apparent what we would doing I felt it it I, I felt and I think probably wrongly but at the time I felt that it would look wrong it would be inappropriate to be doing something comic and saying hey look at me look at me aren't I funny um, when you're talking about starving people and to me I, I felt there was a slight uh, you know to be lined up with them singing it wouldn't I found it difficult because when I'm in character, it would, it would be basically no. I'm lying to say it would be inappropriate. What it is is it would be difficult if you're in character to be lined up genuinely singing something heartfelt because Neil would mess that up. Yeah. Yes. Neil would sing out of tune. He would Neil would go. Oh, this is such a rip off. You know what about that? And he'd mess it up. And therefore, you couldn't stay in character, is what it was. Because I was—I'm a real stickler for, for that. And and I think that's what it was. So what I did was mess about with, status quo, by the gents for the video instead. And we did a lot of comic sort of mucking about and and being stupid. And and that that was more my level, I think. <laughs> I could give you examples of my foolish behavior now. When I like a dick, but pretend that I'm the same now. Of course, you then had a number one with Living Doll, which was for comic relief. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, so you've had a number one and, and, and a number. Sorry. I've had a number one and a number two. Yes. Yeah, with uh, holding my shoes. So, you, so were you, would you classify yourself as a, a frustrating musician, or is it just something that's another string to your bow? Because obviously, you, be you know, you're actor, producer, director. You know, you've done a, a writer, novelist. You've done a lot of things. Is it, is it just another string to your bow, or have you always felt a frustrating musician? Um. Not so much frustrated. Uh, 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 it, it's more I kind of know my limit, um, but it's always been really important. I, uh, when I was whatever seventeen, as I said, I wrote. I used to just write all these songs, twinkling away on my acoustic guitar, and they're all very, you know, soft. They're, you know, they're soft and folky, and then. I wanted to sing, and I, I went into musicals. I like—I'm I, I, not bad. I'm quite a good singer, and but I'm—I'm I'm a 
fairly limited guitarist. I know I know an awful lot of chords, but you know, and I kind of know what my limitations are. So it's something I continue to do because I, I, I love it and I know quite a lot about it now and I'm very interested in it and I, and I like writing lyrics for songs and I like singing backup. So in fact, this project pretty, pretty suits me pretty well. Um, but if it was, if I was to have to sort of say, right now, get your guitar good enough that you could front a band and actually play, I make mistakes. You know, we'd, I tried to do it with, um, I don't know if you remember, Penguin Cafe Orchestra. Uh, we tried to do my songs that are currently uh, on the Bandcamp site, my old folky songs. And we're in the studio and recording, and I'm playing the guitar, but I keep, I'm letting them down because it, I keep making mistakes on the guitar. And so that didn't sort of come together until I met Chris Wade, who's the guy who does Dodson and Fogg, uh, which is a band, he's got about five albums out, uh, in the right style, in a sort of folky style. He's on band camp. And um, he fills in the gaps that I can't manage. He, he does lead vocal on quite a few of my songs. And he plays guitar, the folk guitar, in the way it should be played. It sounds like Bert Yanch or something when he plays it. And... And so we put, we put the five songs left project together like that. So it's it's just a sort of I've got certain abilities, but it's knowing your you know to make a hundred percent career out of it, I wouldn't have been able to earn a living, basically. So it's I don't think it's frustrated. It's it's I'm just it's amazing to um, to be able to get as far as I've got really considering uh, the limitations if you think when you meet as I have done a lot of name drop musicians you think particularly the ones with serious uh, musical skills I can't I can read to follow a, a note if, you know if I'm singing in a chorus I can just about sight read but only just and um, my my brother Roger's a, a producer, multi instrumentalist producer. I suppose there's a lot of, you know, very close with my brother. And you think, no, I can't, I, I can't do all that. You, you know what I mean? I can't do what he does. And, and it, also, I get bored because in the studio, following up every take and you know being able to work everything, I get very bored with that. It's more fun thinking up ideas, writing lyrics, doing the nice, doing the enjoyable bits and then, and then going away and doing something else. So it's a, it's a sort of, what's it, what do you call it? A lazy man's. When they, oh, I like that. When they say they've done an edit and we need a fresh pair of eyes, I, I, <laughs> I'll be a fresh pair of ears. <laughs> I, I think that suits me better. So Neil, what do you say, what would you say that Nigel's strengths are musically and in the, and in the partnership? Well, firstly, I mean, just listening to his hit records there, I never had, never knew he had such a uh, a good number two. So, uh, um, uh, no, I, I think uh, you know, it's 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 for me, it's you know, and working together, it's it's that I don't know what's going to come from him. So it's a nice surprise in terms of 
um, lyrics, and it's a it's a challenge as well for me. You know, as I said, to not only write something I'm I'm happy with, but something he's, he's happy with. And you know, kind of when um, when you have a song in mind, you 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 might have this sort of preconceived idea of a style or what it's going to be like, and. Um, and that I think we've sort of grown into. You know, I've sent certain demos across, and um, he said, "Well, you know, kind of, I don't really, you know, uh, that's not really what I had in mind, you know." And I've quite liked it, but you know, we it's been scrapped because it hasn't sort of, um, you know, uh, been good for both of us. Um, but I think we've sort of grown into that, and I think you know, kind of, um, we've got this uh, uh, the 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 the. the uh, the album uh, Commit No Nuisance um, uh, coming out uh, very shortly uh, with these seven songs on, which we're very proud of as, a, as an album. I think it, it kind of works really well together. You know, the songs actually sort of blend well. But What um, I like is that there's this, uh, I can also send Neil something silly. So we've got, uh, although there's all the dark songs, there's a nice silliness. The idea of calling it "commit no nuisance." Does it commit come from no nuisance song is is very silly, you know. Sorry, do, does it I come from? It comes from a sign that's near your that's house. That's right. Yeah, it come, there's a few over uh, uh, over East London. There's signs people used to put up "commit no nuisance." I don't know why, but th- there's a couple of other songs. You know, I wrote something, uh, something that's silly you know you i woke up one morning and thought oh oh it was a when was it i can't remember anyway i thought oh happy little zombies you know turning into i can't remember what it says what does it say that one happy little zombies you know <laughs> it's a sort of silly thing yeah, to turning write. into I, crumblies turning into crumblies yes that's it now that's a silly pink pajamas. In their yeah, pink I mean pajamas. that's yeah. yeah you know, I, that's a I mean, silly lyric, but I thought actually Neil would be able to handle that surprisingly because everything else we've been talking about is so dark. But that to have a, a, a little element of of silliness in as well is fun. I, you know, I don't I can't think of another composer who happy little zombies would suit. <laughs> I, yeah, I came back with a demo. Where else that would you send that? Yeah. A silly idea like that. Yeah, but I, th- yeah, I think I love it worked, didn't it? I you love know? that demo. So that, yeah. that's going to be. He's the... done it like a sort of, uh, you know, the outer limits sort of uh, science fiction spoof, you know, it, and it, it's fun, that. That's fun. But again, I mean, for me, you know, creatively, I mean, that, that I'm just looking at the lyrics now here. I've been working on them recently and. and um, uh, you know, it's it's mad. You know, in terms of the words, and and you just wonder whether there's something darker and sinister in it as well. You know, you could interpret that maybe, and I think that will oh, come well, from the, yeah, exactly. the music as well. You know, it, yeah. it kind of, but it, it yeah. that's a good example. Like of we something. were saying, like we were saying earlier, you know, you were happy little zombies, to actually, you know, munching on a <laughs> munching yeah, on I a mean, buttock or, or you know. <laughs> Eating out your eardrums. Your, yeah, yes, I, no I just problem. wouldn't, wouldn't, you know, come up with that kind of stuff. And I think that's 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 why it works. And that that will be the title track to to the next album um, following the. Uh, so you're writing another album? Yeah, we've got. Um, yeah, we've got. Some we've got way, yeah. yeah, we've got quite a few in the can uh, already, and um, ideas we're working on. Um, 
and it's just time I think you know for for me and and Nige this is something uh, you know we kind of fit in between everything else um um and I think at some stage it would be nice to play live uh, I've got a band my band uh, put together and um you know I I think uh, Nigel's uh, <laughs> wagging his head there I think he uh, he doesn't know this but he will be on stage very soon <laughs> and uh, um I know I, I get it I think that that you know uh, as we've said you know uh, you know I think um uh, uh Nige, on this project likes being the back guy likes being the lyricist likes you know kind of handing it over and um i i totally get it you know playing live um we'll see we'll see but uh um do you mean we'll see might <laughs> uh, <laughs> well speak to my agent nigel i mean it's all in hand at the moment but, yeah uh, <laughs> yeah well, speak to mine and it'd be, be expensive if you speak to mine don't speak to mine <laughs> I can heartily recommend the record to anyone listening to this podcast and I'm very glad to be able to say that in a genuine way without uh, having to gild the lily. It really is a very good listen. Oh, smashing. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks very much for doing the podcast. Um, I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Jim. Really, uh, Thank really you, good Jim. to uh, to do it as well. It's been great fun and um, yeah, good luck with your endeavours too. A wise old soul once said to me Take a leap from this profanity This is the title track from Commit No Nuisance, released on Pink Deer Records. You can buy it for the bargain price of £7 via the Bandcamp platform, either as a digital download or signed CD. Thanks again to Nigel and Neil and to Mark Taplin. Until next time... Given free for us to share And for years to come Let's all make sure it's there Have a beautiful day, you're all One day at a time, you're all You've got to Let go Thank you.